0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston. I have Rahul here from Connecticut, but our co-host, Alex, could not make it today. He has found a new career in live commentary for a hockey match tonight. We wish him all the best, but hey, Rahul, it looks like it's leading to good things from here.
1: It is. I... We would like to make it clear we just loaned him out for the night. <laughs> <laughs> the um, wages are
0: not affordable for everybody. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: It's, we keep a high standard here at the Premier Chelsea. But no, he's, he's doing it uh, for his college and I uh, hope he's having a good time.
0: Absolutely. I hope he has a blast and he gets to put some of his fun mannerisms into <laughs> it with some Arsenal jabs and some Tottenham jabs with the hockey game. But look, we have a little bit to discuss today. It's the Club World Cup. It's a long time since we've been back in this competition. So let's jump into it. Maybe you want to start with the starting 11 for the semifinals, I believe.
1: Yes, the semifinals where we uh, played, I beg your pardon, Al mm-hmm. Ali. Uh, no, was it was Ali Lal. Sorry. Um, apologies for that. Uh, and our starting 11 was Keppa, Christensen, Thiago Silva, Rudiger returned to the back three formation. Espilaqueta, uh, for Jorginho Kovacic, and Alonso made the midfield. Uh, Hakim Ziyech, Kai Havertz, and Lukaku were in attack.
0: So back to three four three. We've seen Tuchel experiment with four, maybe like a four four two, a four two three one, sometimes a four three three. How do you feel about him kind of switching it up for this particular game?
1: Uh, I think it it comes down to ultimately what we've been doing for uh, a year now, and the changes that you mentioned with going to a back four and stuff have been more in the last month. Uh, but the fact that he has his three centre-backs fit, uh, he has the ability to play Espelicueta at the wing-back position, I think this is where we're comfortable. Not to right. say we we weren't doing well in the back four, but I think this is where he feels um, we perform best.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one because even though we've had some issues, dare I say, with four at the back or with 4-3-3, four, 4-2-3-1, three, three, four, whatever you want to call it, we did have some bright moments in those uh, four at the back. So... You almost wonder if Tuchel's trying to figure out, you know, who fits best when they're available, but fair enough. He's got his three centre-backs. He's got Aspilicueta playing right wing back, Alonso. Let's touch on the front players for a few minutes here, the front three specifically. Uh, Hakim Ziyech has been in a rich vein of form. He justifiedly starts, in my opinion, at least. Uh, Lukaku is an interesting one because 100 million pound man he was bought to play. Is he supposed to be playing these games? And when I mean supposed to... Is he in on merit now, or are they just trying to make sure he works for the team? Uh,
1: I think it's the latter. It's, it's that giving him the opportunities and, and consistently letting him gel with the squad and with the front three. In this case, uh, Ziek and him have played, I want to say, the last four, maybe five games uh, right, right. back to back to back, uh, which is something you and I were talking about maybe a month, six weeks ago was there's no continuity in the front three. Um, and now we're getting that with Lukaku and at least Ziyech and, and the third position's open and and we'll get, get to Havert. So uh, from that point of view, yes, I'm happy to see that these two continue to play and, and build a chemistry. And, and, and uh, Ziyech obviously has taken this game to the next level, obviously with the goal that he scored against Spurs. Uh, but Lukaku... You thought this would be a game where maybe uh, he wouldn't play, but he ends up getting the the goal, uh, the match-winning goal, so can't really complain. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and honestly, based on everything you said, I think that's the reason he continues to play is because he needs these goals, and we'll talk a little bit about the goals, but he needs a goal or any type of goal to go right. in to help him build confidence. And it's sad to say, Rahul, because a 100-million-pound 100 100 million man He's had success in England, obviously. He's gone to Italy. He's had success there. He had very early success in Belgium when he was a youngster as well. But sometimes you just need those goals to go in to remind yourself that, hey, I am a goal scorer. I am a poacher. And, again, maybe I'm giving a little bit away that we'll get to that goal in a second. But let's talk about the last man on the left wing, and that's Kai Havertz. We haven't seen so much of him this season, given that he was the Champions League winner about eight, nine months ago. And he's the reason we are in this tournament right now. Uh, Some of it has been due to his second bout of COVID. Some of it has been through injuries. Some of it has been through the the fine form of Mason Mount at times, the fine form of Hakim Ziyech now. How did you make of him coming back into the squad and some of his performance so far in this game or this tournament?
1: I I was happy to see him. Uh, If you remember when Lukaku was out uh, in in the fall or in the early part of, of of the season, uh, Kai Havertz was playing as that central striker and performing well. Uh, in fact, I think we won pretty much every game or, or maybe just one against Burnley where we dropped points. So Kai Havertz brings a whole different dimension to that attack and uh, pairing him with Lukaku or pairing him with Ziyech in this case, at least based on paper, uh, what we see. he He brings a whole different, like I said, dimension. He floats a little bit. He works in those spaces he he has the ability to drive and and when we get to that goal we'll talk about that drive Uh, so I I personally was happy to see him and I think uh, what he brings allows Lukaku to do what he does a little bit better uh, versus uh, with some of the other, other attacking options where Lukaku maybe gets marked by two defenders when Havertz is there I think defenders tend to be a little more aware of Havertz's ability to play as that second striker
0: yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. And maybe that's what is looking for is a hybrid system. We've seen that so much with his back four, his back threes. Even in the front, he likes when the players move around and almost keep the opposition guessing. Right. Are we having a false nine today? Are we playing with two up top? And, and it really could become something like that, uh, diamond shape, what have you. But one man that misses out is Timo Werner. Uh, he's back into f- not form, but he's back into full fitness, I would say. He is a prime, prime candidate to play alongside Lukaku because he's more naturally a striker. Some say he's better on the left, which again is another reason he could have started this game. Do you feel he's a little hard done by or is Tuchel saving him for maybe uh, last 20, 15, 20 minutes where he can come run at defenders?
1: Yeah, I I think he's a little hard done by, but um, I think if I was to pair either Havertz or Timo with Lukaku, I would go with Havertz. Uh, the Lukaku-Timo partnership hasn't worked out as well as we thought. Uh, and that could just be because they haven't had that opportunity to play multiple games, like we've mentioned with Ziek and Lukaku. Uh, but Timo and Lukaku don't seem to be gelling as a as a partnership. Now, that's not to say they won't. Uh, but I think if you have to pick one, Havertz is, is the better choice.
0: Fair enough. And I mean, looking at what you've discussed so far, we'll jump right into the goal in that first half. The goal comes in the form of a Lukaku tap in, but a lot of credit to Kai Havertz for working that left wing and finding a way and finding the persistence to put across him.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and uh, the drive, the dribbling, the cutback, the cross, yeah. everything comes from come from Kai Havertz's determination to put that ball into the into the box. And obviously it falls off of the defender into Lukaku's path, but you you have to be there to score them. Um, so he and he does so. Uh, look, uh, Kai Havertz does a hard bit and Lukaku benefits off of that, which is what you want to see from maybe your front two or your, amongst your front three. And you can't really complain. It's, it's a goal that was needed, like you were saying. Yeah. Uh, and for Kai, I think it's good for him to see that he's impacting the game, obviously not scoring, but doing the other pieces that he can do.
0: I think that's what I'm taking out of this game and hopefully the next game as well. Obviously, it's a big tournament that we want to win. It's the prestige of winning the Club World Cup. But at the same time, I've always said it's a bit of a break from the normal routine where, honestly, we have been struggling to put out performances. And in this game, other than the goal and that final little bit of play from Kai Havertz, we did have an underwhelming, underwhelming performance. So maybe being in a different tournament, different opposition, different city, different weather, something right. along those lines might refresh our minds. And hopefully we can win this one and the next one and come off with some fresh set of eyes and some fresh set of legs. I know that's weird to say, given that we're running extra, but just a change of scenery that will allow us to come back into the game, I would say.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, you're right. The, the harsh results and the harsh schedule of the Premier League that we had in December into January, uh, this obviously allows you some warm weather training, getting away from, from everything that was going on in the Premier League and focusing on winning a trophy that we've never done. So for this group of players and coaching staff, Uh, It's an opportunity to make a little bit of a history for the club.
0: Yeah, and look, as a Chelsea fan, I'd love to add that to our trophy cabinet. And I think you put a little post up on the Premier Chelsea page page as well. Cesar Azpilicueta would love to add that to his trophy cabinet as well, because then he could claim he's won it all with Chelsea. And If (laughs) if he does leave this summer, he can say, I wish I'd won that one cup that I could have won, but he's won it all. So, you know, one, one player we need to talk about as well, Rahul, is Kepa. He has been immense since uh, Mendy has gone over to the AFCON. He has now returned from the AFCON as well. And so now you can really say we have two strong keepers, Kepas, <laughs> in the squad at this point. He comes up with a big save again, multiple times, not only in this game, but over the last few games, he really has come into the Kepa of old, the Kepa that we paid a world record fee for, the Kepa that has found love in his life again, and maybe love in his life <laughs> has led to finding love back on the football pitch. But, other than praising Kepa, which I know you had done in the previous episode, Alex has done numerous times, a question that I have for you, given that Kepa is in such good form, Mendy's just come off winning the AFCON, another guy who's in such good form, who's your number one and where do you go from here?
1: It's it's a tough one. You're right. It's one that um, gives you a headache and I, and I mentioned in the last episode was This is one position where it almost brings you back to the first Mourinho era where we had two top-class players for every position. And this is one such position where we have that. Uh, If I was to pick one, it would be harsh on Mendy to get dropped from his first starting 11 position just because he had to go away (laughs) and win a tournament. He, He went and actually won that tournament. Yep. But on the same side, it would be harsh on Keppa because he stepped in and, and performed and done well. Uh, so, my solution here would be Mendy becomes the Champions League and, and Premier League goalie. And Keppa, Carabao Cup final coming up. Maybe he gets to play that. Uh, and then we're in the FA Cup too. So, within the next month or so, we do have a couple of fixtures where Keppa can still continue this good form. So, that's what I would do, Mendy gets his position back, but he knows as soon as he drops a standard, <laughs> Kepa is there waiting to, to come in.
0: I'll accept that answer even though you towed the line of <laughs> diplomacy at that point, which is, is perfectly fine. I think like you alluded to in the Jose Mourinho season, that was what Petr Cech was the Premier League and Champions League goalkeeper. Right. And then the cup run, Carlo Cudicini played enough football to keep him happy. And he was there with us for a long time. So Absolutely nothing wrong with that. And, and for me, I'm just glad I'm not making that decision. <laughs> Tuchel has to make that decision. But, but it's a blessing for us to have such good keepers like we talked about earlier. So I know you want to talk a little bit about Thomas Tuchel now, Rahul. He, he didn't get to be on the sideline. He obviously is still out with COVID. We're hearing he's doing a little bit better, but obviously still has to isolate. But he is giving his messages through Zoom or through the, through the phone or whatnot. But what do you want to share about Thomas Tuchel with us?
1: Yeah, before I get that, I do have a question going back to the sure. goalie situation. Uh, so we spent seventy odd million on Kepa four years ago at this point, three and a half years ago maybe. Yeah. Um, we said his his value had dropped, his form had dropped. This season we've seen the form come back. If we get to the summer and he is, we won another couple of trophies. He's he's participating in a bunch more penalty shootouts and. And show that he is the guy that can carry a team from from the goal. Do you, if a bid comes in 15 million, 55 million, do you cash in and say, we're losing a little bit of money here, but it's we're getting more than we would have a couple of seasons ago. What's your what's your mindset here? Do you cash in or do you say no? We keep him and have him and Mendy kind of work each other in terms of keeping the form up?
0: For me, I think it really comes down to the mentality of both the gentlemen. That's Mendy and Kepa. And from what I've seen so far, both seem to want to push each other. Both seem to want to encourage each other. But at the same time, they have a strong rivalry saying, if you concede a couple of goals or if you have a poor performance, I'm on your heels, I'm on my toes, and I'm ready to come in for that number one spot. And as long as you can keep both of them happy, I would keep both of them in the squad. I think where we are today, we're playing almost 70 games-ish a season. And yes, a goalkeeper doesn't run the entire game, but those dives, those jumps, those you know, putting your face to the ground to come block a player, they do take a toll on the body. And so while I hope this never happens, we, we've seen it happen with Petr Cech where he had a horrific head injury and we lost him for a year would I want another goalkeeper that's not of the standard of these two coming in? I would take that, but why should I, if I've had these two? And so 50 million for Chelsea is not the biggest amount of money. It's something where we can definitely earn that back and go on from there. I would keep both of them as long as they're both happy to stay.
1: Yeah. And that's fair. I I would opt for keeping both of them too, but you, you know how players are and, and goalies are, they want to be the number one and they don't want to, at least in Kepa's case, don't doesn't if he sees that he's come back and he's uh, the player that we thought he was a few seasons ago, uh, he may say if an opportunity comes, obviously that I want to go do this. and And I think if that happens, Chelsea wouldn't stand in his way because he has performed for us. and And even though he had a bad spell, he's never complained. I think we spoke about that. He's right. been very professional. So. It's going to be an interesting summer in, in, from that aspect amongst other positions that we were yeah. touching on uh, before we started. But uh, coming back to Tuchel, I mean, we've heaped praise on this man episode after episode, game after game. Maybe not every game and maybe not every episode, but uh, he's now been here a little bit over a year uh, and his record in, in finals uh, I'll run through it, FA Cup final, Champions League final, Super Cup obviously comes from winning the Champions League, but he won that, Carabao Cup final, and now the Club World Cup final. That's five finals in the space of just about over a year. Impressive. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and and I think that's a record that no other manager in world football or any retired manager can, can hold, so congratulations to him, and uh, obviously we lost the FA Cup final, but Hopefully, that's the only one that we, we lose in this uh, group of finals. And maybe we add a few more later this season. That's true, yeah. Uh, but the question I have for you is, would you term him as a cup manager, or is that unfair?
0: I've thought a lot about this. I think watching him at PSG, obviously, they've won the league. But no disrespect to a lot of the other guys out there, PSG invested so heavily it was almost given or a default that you should be winning the league. Now you come to England, you've got Chelsea, you've got Manchester City, you've got Liverpool. And as much as we poke fun, Manchester United, Arsenal, Tottenham, they all invest heavily and they're all trying to win the league. So it becomes a much more difficult competition to win. Where I think he excels in the cups is in my opinion, Tuchel is a tactical genius or with a little bit of an insult here, he's, he's a tinkerman, to say the least. And so I think he tinkers and he tweaks and he tinkers and he tweaks, just like we've covered about the front three, never having 10, 12 games in the row. Uh, even our midfield, Rahul, I think we constantly chop and change between Kante, Kovacic, uh, Jorginho, sometimes Saul's there. Our wing backs are changing. Alonso started now. Ben Chilwell, Ben Chilwell's out. Alonso, obviously. He, he tweaks and changes, and I think that works excellent for cup competitions because he really gets a minute to study is opposition and pick the best 11 and the best tactics and the best formation to win that particular game. Now, when it comes to a league, do you have enough time every single week to sit down and study those oppositions that you necessarily need to be tweaking these guys and tactics all the time? Maybe not. Maybe you need to stick with a core group of 11, drill them week in, week out on how to be perfect at what he wants, which is a 3-4-3, three, three, obviously, and then they can perform a little better. However, that's just my analysis. I don't know if it's unfair, fair. It's just what I've given a lot of thought to. But maybe it's something he can look at and say, every time I tweak the team too much, we're not going on a run of eight, nine games in the league. I need to scale it back. And, and he's doing that a little bit now with uh, Lukaku and, and Hakim Ziak starting a couple of games. So who knows what happens in the next few weeks here.
1: Yeah, and that's a good point. It's Cup games, like you mentioned, are, are one-off. Uh, and you put in all that effort, and you win, and you move on to the next round, or you move on to a semifinal or a final, uh, a league is 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 a marathon, like we've said, yep. for forever. And um, yes, you have opportunities to make it up, but when you have Man City and Liverpool, and, and specifically Man City going on 13, 14 games unbeaten, winning, actually, uh, and you're getting to 3-4 and then faltering and dropping points, at some point that catches up with you, and uh, that's what really happened. Of course, COVID happened, injuries happened, uh, and all of those things add to it. But um, I, I definitely think he can win us the Premier League. Now, not to yeah. say, that's not to say that he's not the man. Uh, cup competitions are very much welcome here, especially when it's the Champions League. Uh, but it's, it's high time we win the league. And, and next season, I think, it has to be one where we, we go for it.
0: Yeah. And I don't want to get too deep into what will happen, but he's only had one true transfer window. Obviously right. we didn't invest with him in January and Lukaku was supposed to be the missing piece to the puzzle that would stabilize the front of the ship to allow them to continue to score goals. That hasn't happened, unfortunately, but Lukaku scored nine goals so far this season, Rahul. Didier Drogba in his first season scored 15 and his second season, 16. So if Lukaku makes it to that 15, 16, 17 mark, which, given the amount of time he has, it's, it's possible he will make it there, and he can use this as a springboard to get back to the numbers that he had with Manchester United, Everton, and West Brom respectively. We'll all be patting ourselves on the back, we meaning Chelsea, saying they got it right, and then Tuchel needs to look at himself and say, to win the sprint, which is the league, win the marathon, which is the league, right. what are the pieces that can last him throughout the entire season? And that's what's going to happen this summer, hopefully.
1: Yeah, and, and like you said, not to get too far ahead, but I think as we get closer to the summer, I think we need to identify those pieces and, yeah. and add them in, like, June. Because when we did that under Jose Mourinho in the second stint, at least, as soon as we started that season with Diego Costa-Fabregas, we knew that we were in that, in that title race. In fact, we were pretty much done with it by yeah. January. So um, I think back Tuchel, cool, we've said this multiple times, but back him in, in this debate of cup manager versus league goes away. Yep, absolutely. Uh, but I mean, that, that was my question about Tuchel. We, again, we're excited by the prospect of another final. We're excited by the prospect of winning a competition that the clubs never won. Uh, And we wish them all the best and we will get to the final in in the next few minutes, but uh, let's bring it back closer to home a little bit in terms of the premier league and talk about some of the results. So you want to run us through uh, some of the results from this midweek.
0: Yeah, we tend to forget that Premier League is going on because we're so focused on Chelsea. But we do have to spend some time understanding what's going in and around the Premier League while we're away on uh, Club World Cup games. But one of the big, big games that happened was Newcastle-Everton. And this, for lack of a better word, is the relegation fight. (laughs) But it's interesting for multiple reasons. newcastle I think they spent over $100 in the transfer window, which is amazing for them. And Everton pick up Frank Lampard, who I was overjoyed to hear that he's back in management, but they also pick up some interesting, you know, transfers with Dele Alli and Donny van de Beek. They did get off to a good cup run with Lampard, but Newcastle almost brought them back to reality with Newcastle beating them three one. It's going to be a tough few weeks for Frank over here.
1: Yeah. If, if he didn't think it was a tough task before, he definitely is, is in for a tough ride here. Uh, And this was a game that was always going to be tricky. Newcastle, like you spend on the back, of, uh, like you said, on the back of spending all that money, picking up some form over the last few weeks, uh, were going to be a tough opposition, especially at um, Saint James's Park, and and that's what it turned out to be. But what I am finding interesting is is Lampard favoring the three four two one formation, uh, and it could just be simply down to him looking at his players and what's available, but. Uh, if he's learned something over the last year, it's it's that formation is the winning formula. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hopefully, he can work out the kinks pretty quickly. But on the flip side to Newcastle, they are doing everything in their power to get out and stay up. They invested, and you know they want to go. They're going to want a quick return on that investment immediately. So yeah. hopefully, that plays out. Yeah. Let's talk about Burnley and Manchester United. Rahul. Manchester United switch managers. You know, late part of twenty twenty one. Everybody said there's a the God of football, I mean, the teacher of football is coming back, but results haven't gone their way. It ends up being a draw, one one.
1: Yeah. I mean, Burnley are never a tough, I mean, a never easy team to play, but Manchester United, I believe, get the first goal. Um, they have their starting 11 or close to it in, out there. And you just expect them to take it a step further and, and close it out. But they let Burnley back in and. Uh, that's just unnecessary points dropped, uh, at least in the top four race. It's good for us because at one point they had enough games to take over uh, Chelsea. It seems like now they're only a game behind and uh, we have a little bit of advantage. So uh, never write them off, but it hasn't gone as well as you you would have thought, especially with the managerial change uh, midway through the season.
0: Yeah, and just a quick question for you, given that it's not gone as well as they thought, do you think Manchester United actually made a very smart footballing decision asking the manager to be there for six months only rather than you know giving him a long-term contract, which I hear he wanted. Of course, it did come in the fact that he'll be behind yeah, the scenes
1: consultant. Yeah. 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 Um I, I mean, definitely, because he was a director of football, I believe, in, in Russia before he came here to be the manager. So uh, they knew this was going to be a short-term fix, and from what we're hearing, Pochettino most likely will be the one in the summer. Uh, and I think Ragnick's maybe training tactics and and other things aren't suiting well with the, or sitting well with the players. So there's a lot of issues in the background. Obviously, some of them off the pitch, like we've we've uh, spoken about or, or heard. Uh, but even with Ronaldo and and adding that piece to to the puzzle hasn't gone as well as they thought. So, uh, Summer presents an opportunity for them to go out and fix things. But again, they, like Chelsea, uh, would have to fix a lot if they are to get back to, um, you know, some of the the heights that they had hit in the past.
0: The glory days, shall we say, which are (laughs) far, far in history at this point. I got to have a little jab in there. (laughs) Let's move on, Rahul, because this one's an interesting, interesting result in that Southampton versus Tottenham Hotspurs. For a while, Antonio Conte really had Tottenham doing very well in the league. I mean, they were sitting, floating around 10th, and they were climbing up to 4th, challenging Chelsea. But a shock, shock result in Southampton beating them 3-2 to take that game.
1: That was... That was the most spurzy thing that kind of <laughs> happened. And you laugh at them, right? We laugh at them. We we banter them. Alex banters them whenever he gets a chance. But you sit back for a second and you think about it. Antonio Conte came in, what was it, November. He got them studied, like you said. He got them going up the table. He hadn't lost a game in the league until he played Chelsea uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then he comes to this game at home. He hadn't lost a home game since... I believe he joined Inter Milan a, a bunch of seasons ago and a Southampton team that have been kind of on and off this season, they come in, uh, they obviously get it back to one, one, and then Spurs go 2 one up. And at that point you're thinking, Antonio Conte's team has enough to see this out, if not score a third. And they don't, the defense falls apart. They concede two goals. It becomes three, two within a matter of minutes. And, and that's what's lacking in that team is the mentality, the characteristics to hold on, fight through. Uh, and you saw Conte at the end in the rain just, just looking absolutely defeated, no pun intended, because his team had lost. But I think he's realizing what a big task he has on his hands to get Spurs not only up the table this season, but in a position where they're challenging and he's winning them trophies and, and, and getting them close to where they believe they should be.
0: You know, I take two key things away from this situation. One is the positive for Chelsea, Arm- Armando or Armand Broja. Right. back yeah. on the score sheet. I believe Rahul, he's at six goals for the season, given the fact that he's, I think, 21, 22. Right. He's not their first choice striker, but he continues to deliver. So there's something there for Tuchel to look at. I know we've been linked with a lot of big-name strikers, but maybe we need to go back to Lacombe, like we've had success with in the last three or four seasons here. So Big thing I can take away from there, Chelsea helping to put Spurs on their rear end as they usually do. But one other thing is Antonio Conte is very famous for having a meltdown and complaining and saying, you know, they don't support me. The team's not good enough, yada, yada, yada. And sometimes you sit back and say, maybe he's just complaining, but there might be some truth to this in the fact that they do need to rebuild. They do need to find a different type of mentality of player. And I'm not just saying that because Conte is complaining. They've now gone through four or five managers, and the theme and the message seems to be the same. The mentality isn't right. Uh, some of these guys don't want to play the way. Some, and the Jose Mourinho documentary was very eye opening about how they're not nasty enough. For, and Jose is a little bit out there, but what he means is that mentality and the right. strength to not lose a two one up game, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's going to take some time, and and we've. We said Chelsea need players this summer. We said Manchester United play need players. Tottenham need players. And there's only that many top right. players out there. So it's it's going to be interesting in in where Tottenham go to find the players, especially if they don't get Champions League or European football. Um, and if Conte, like you said, if he doesn't get back, he's never shy to say, I'm out. I, I don't need to be paid <laughs> off. I'm, I'm happy to walk away. So Absolutely. Um, it's going to be an interesting summer with them too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be another interesting game, Rahul Villa versus Leeds. 3-3, high-scoring game. Gerard seems to be doing okay with Leeds, but Leeds are this kind of team where they can give you, you know, 10 goals in a game, or they can concede 10 goals in a game. They're kind of that team with uh, Marcelo Bielsa, aren't they?
1: They are, and this was an entertaining game. Unfortunately, I missed it, but I kept seeing the notifications pop up on my phone. Uh, and, and, And that's Leeds. I think for a while, they were closer to the relegation battle, not that they're completely out of it, but uh, they keep picking up points and, and you kind of expect them to uh, to, to stay up and, and survive.
0: Yeah, and we're hearing that Marcelo Bielsa's contract is running out this summer, so there's a potential he may not be there this summer. He may move on to something else and I'm hearing early rumors that it might be the ex-Barcelona manager of Val Verde if I'm saying that correctly. Or I can't remember his last name, but uh, interesting things not only with teams needing players, but maybe teams needing fresh management, fresh coaches. It's always good to see top coaches coming into the Premier League. Yeah, But let's talk a little bit about Liverpool and Leicester. We always like to heap fun on Leicester because of things that happened <laughs> last season as well with our, our very own Ghanaian player as well. But uh, Liverpool doing the business for a whole. I mean, they're still behind Manchester City. We'll go to the the tables in a few minutes here, but they're letting it know that they haven't given up the chase yet.
1: They haven't in we had said Salah leaving mané leaving is going to be an issue and it hasn't been and they win this fairly easily uh, 2-0 and diego jota who's a player that we knew we had he had the potential at wolves but he's joined liverpool and taken his game to the next level and become one of those players that you just can't drop from from the starting 11 or your fantasy Premier League. Uh, I was just (laughs) going to say, he he is
0: one of those players that won me the fantasy Premier League challenge last year, and he might win you the fantasy Premier League this year. So anybody who plays fantasy, maybe keep an eye for Jota for next season. He might be one of those that's valued extremely high because he does the business week in, week out. But yeah, business as usual. But Leicester, a a whole turnaround from the team several years ago that had won the Premier League, they're almost back to not even challenging for top four anymore, which is, Interesting to say at the least. I think that it will perform for many years. And so now reality might be kicking in. But let's talk a little bit about Arsenal versus Wolves. And what can you tell us about this game?
1: A tough game for Arsenal to go away to Wolves. And, and they win it 1-0, get another red card, which is, <laughs> I guess, it's just part of Arsenal's games this season. <laughs> uh, but a big win for them, if you think about it. They, they came into this game having not scored, I believe, all of this year, having not won a game this year. Uh, and to go away to Wolves and do that is, is quite an achievement, especially when you're a man down, I think, for the last 30 minutes. Um, a good result for them. And I think and when you run through the table, it will show the significance of this win because they are going to be in and around that top four race. Uh, and if they get it, it's going to be quite an achievement because we were bantering Arsenal. We we <laughs> bantered them every week, actually, too. Uh, but for Arteta, that's going to be a major achievement.
0: Yeah, look, you've heaped praise on Arsenal, but I want to give a quick word to Wolves. I know they didn't win this particular game, but they have done more than I expected them to do, losing their manager, losing Diego Jota a couple of seasons ago. It's one of those where I actually pipped the manager to be fired by December, but he's really kept them going strong. They've got a couple of good players in here, key players that continue to perform for them and keep them going in the right the right strengths, I should say. And that, that's it's just a good thing to see overall for Wolves, a, a team that a few years ago had just come up from, from the second division. So, but that covers kind of the games that happen in and around the Premier League. Maybe we'll just look at the table for a quick second and you can run us through what's going on in the women's game, but onto the table, Manchester city sitting up top. We just talked about how much of a force they can be under Pep Guardiola with 60 points Liverpool in second, like we said, not giving up, but 51 points, but they do have a game in hand uh, Chelsea who are in third with 47 points They are not playing this week, but other teams are catching up. So they are all up to date. So Liverpool, once they play that game, we will see the table kind of form itself the way it is. In fourth is West West Ham with 40 points. And so it's good to see that even though some of these teams are catching up, we still have a a seven point buffer between us and the next closest team. Here's what gets interesting. Rahul Arsenal, we pipped fun at them. They're sitting in fifth with 39 points and we are pipping fun at Manchester United and Tottenham. They're sitting in sixth and seventh respectively with 39 and 36 points. But don't forget, Tottenham have about three games in hand and so that could make a huge difference if Conte can get them running again. Let me go down to the bottom of the table. Burnley sitting in 20th with 14 points but they also have several games in hand so like we talked about Frank Lampard this could get very very interesting in the next few weeks. Watford in 19th with 22 games another couple of games in hand with 15 points. Norwich with a game in hand with 17 points and Newcastle United with 18 points, and Everton with 19 points. This is extremely, extremely tight at the bottom.
1: It, it, it is very tight, and Everton's next game is against Leeds, who sit above them. So, yep. uh, another big game for Lampard, and, and hopefully he can get the result this time at home and get his Premier League account started uh, yeah. for Everton. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's a tight table at the bottom, and at the top, it could become tight if Liverpool win that game in hand. So, uh it's going to be an interesting end to the season.
0: Absolutely. And that's what we would love to see in the Premier League. But why don't you take us through the women's game? We haven't talked about them in a few weeks, so I'm eager and excited to share some updates with our listeners.
1: Yeah, so they, I think we covered them a little bit in the, in the last or maybe a couple of episodes ago, but uh, they had an international, they, I beg your pardon, they had a winter break, then they had a COVID outbreak, so that kind of extended the number of games that they hadn't played. But they came back. Uh, towards the end of January, and and tied their first game against Brighton. Then they won against West Ham, uh, one in the FA Cup, one one in the Conti Cup, which they've now made the final. and We touched on that, and their most recent game, which was last uh, Sunday, was against Man City, and they won that one nil, which meant that they uh, solidify or or close the gap on Arsenal in first, and play Arsenal tomorrow actually uh, when they have a game in hand. so if they win tomorrow they go above Arsenal and have a game in hand so this team man they 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 put you through the emotions and and, and uh, give you the the scares but they always come out and and find a way now of course the game tomorrow is difficult. it's Arsenal who are top of the table they beat us earlier in the season uh, we beat them in the final in, in December so uh, we have the confidence, we have the players. There's been a few injuries, but I believe some of them are coming back. And uh, Sam Kerr, who's come back from the Asian games, hasn't scored. So she's due a goal. Frank Kirby's due a goal. Um, so everything bodes and points towards a Chelsea win tomorrow, but you can't take it for granted.
0: Yeah, and Rahul, we heap praise upon Tuco, but Emma Hayes has just enough praise that we can heap upon her. And so I think she's going to be sitting there processing and thinking, what can I do to get this win? Because a win and a game in hand is massive. Yes, it's only a couple of points here and there, but there are only 12 teams in this particular uh, table format for the women's league. And so it's just a matter of getting as many points as you can quickly and getting away from the chasing pack.
1: And and not to say that they absolutely need to go out and win tomorrow. A draw isn't a bad result because you still have that game in hand. But uh, for the aspirations that they have, which is to win this league again, uh, it would be great to win, and and then say we can go another three points clear here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It'd just be nice to add another trophy to the cabinet on the women's side, and that would be super exciting. But and speaking straight,
1: speaking of trophies, all the four trophies that we won last season will be on display at this game. So uh, for Arsenal, I'm, I'm just going to stop there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think we have rubbed enough the wound <laughs> of the Arsenal men and women's team at this point, but. Let's talk more about trophies, Rahul. The Club World Cup final—we alluded to. We were coming back to talk about this later in the episode. We are in the final. Of course, we played the semi-final. I think that's just our seed based on the fact that we were European champions. We're going to be playing the Brazilian team in the final. I think it's Pal- Palmeiras. Uh,
1: um, Palmeiras. Yep, they Palmeiras won their. Semifinal. Yeah, they won their semi-final against Al Ali. So. Uh,
0: <laughs> so it's coming full circle at this point. It's been a while, like I said, since we've been in the final. Let's talk about a predicted 11 We've already discussed the goalkeeping situation, but who would you put in there? Uh,
1: I think Kepa continues. Uh, He's had a good run of form. He's had a good uh, few weeks. So he continues, I think, maybe a back three again. Uh, But Tuchel might come out with a surprise, and he may actually show up to this final, because if he tests negative, he's uh, in line to, to fly over to Abu Dhabi. So that'll be good to see him. But I think Christensen, Thiago Silva, Rudiger back three. Uh, Aspilicueta, Conte, Kovacic, and Lonzo uh, in the middle. And then I think Mount, and it seems like Lukaku and Ziek will be uh, staying in the in that 11.
0: Yeah, it looks like they will. And I think Mason Mount potentially should come back into the starting 11, given that he has been, again, a consistent performer. And so who knows? Maybe Kai Havertz will push him for another start, given that he gave the assist. But it will be interesting to see good starting 11 Rahul overall we're expecting big things we're expecting the trophy what's the score prediction from you
1: it's it's going to be tough Um, I mean the last time we played Brazilian opposition was or at least in a competitive game was in in the final of the Club World Cup uh, and we lost so it's going to be a tough game and and you know Palmeiras are going to be motivated to come out and and beat the European champions so uh, I think we go 1-1 90 minutes Uh, Extra time stays 1-1 and then Kepa does what he does best and wins it for us uh, on penalties. 5-4.
0: And so so again, Kepa turns out to be the hero and then we'll have that discussion about (laughs) goals on the next episode. No, look, that's a very likely scenario. Like you said, all respect to Palmeiras. They are a strong team. They won the Brazilian tournament. They're now here to try and beat the European champions. But I, I have full faith in our Chelsea team. We haven't been the biggest scoring team this season, but I'm pipping us for a 2-0 win. We're taking it before extra time. We need to save our legs to go back and continue in other tournaments that we have, but 2-0 to Chelsea, my friend.
1: I, I like that confidence, and I know you've been right recently with your predictions, <laughs> so I hope it comes true that way because 1-1 with the penalties would be a little more damaging for everyone, every Chelsea supporter <laughs> at heart. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it should it should be a fun game and and uh, would like to give a shout out to our friends in uh, New Orleans who are having the event. So uh, if you haven't checked it out, guys, go please go check it out. It's called the Blues Day event and uh, uh, check it out on Instagram Crescent City Blues or uh, Carefree Louisiana. Uh, If and if you have time, fly out there and join them. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be a great time and. Uh, With the win, like Jackie predicted, and I predicted, just a little more scary. (laughs) um, It's going to be a great day and uh, another trophy in that cabinet.
0: Absolutely. And that's what we're hoping for.
1: And you know what is more exciting before I wrap it up is if you win this tournament, you get to get that logo, no, patch on your jersey that says Club World Cup winners or whatever it is. So uh, 2012, I was waiting for us to win it so I could get that jersey. This time around, I'm not waiting for it, but hoping that it happens uh, because I will be on that Chelsea website getting my shirt that, that uh, commemorates this moment. But uh, that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chelsea, Apple, Spotify, Google, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, and as always, send us your feedback and we will be back next week uh, to do a Club World Cup final review. And then a Premier League preview. It's been a while. So uh, until then, stay safe and up the shelves.